I love that. I love that. Well, it's a golden edition of Wake in the Red Weekly presented by Footy Talks Live. My name is Michael Singh, and today we are still celebrating Canada, coast to coast, one of the biggest, if not the biggest victory in Canadian soccer history. We're going to be joined by special guests very shortly. Um, we're going to talk some Toronto FC as well, Javier Perez in for the rest of the season after making a, a gutsy substitution against New York City FC. But before I ramble on too much, let me just quickly introduce my co-host today. The man to my left, Jeffrey Pinesker. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's just the two of us, Mike. Mitch is uh, in parts unknown on a well-deserved vacation, probably watching uh, repeats of the Canadian gold medal game on Endless Loop, somewhere, somewhere tropical. So you know, <laughs> best, best, best wishes to him. And, as uh, soon as as soon as they want, Jeff, you know this guy booked a vacation to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. if, you, if any of you guys uh, did catch our quick special on the Canadian women's national team, you know me and Mitch did a quick reactionary thirty-minute special edition episode. But today we're going to be diving into it a lot more. Um, so without further ado, let me bring on our guest today, and I'm very delighted to be joined by the one and only Megan Johnson of TSN someone who has been at the forefront of all of the coverage with the Canadian women's national team. Some of the best coverage, like I said, in the past. Uh, thank you, Megan, very much for joining us and taking the time. Thank you guys again for having me. Glad to be here. There we go. And we got a, we got a ton to get to, eh, Jeff? Why don't you start us off? Sure, sure, sure. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, 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 you know, being a passenger on your Twitter adventure for this for this whole Gold Cup run was 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 quite the ride. I mean, uh, so I, I guess my first question is, if you had to summarize the entire Olympic run in one sentence, what would it be? That is a tough one. I've still been struggling to find the words, I think, since Friday or this whole tournament, really. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try to boil it down just to one word, and that would be historic. I yeah. think this is best moment in Canadian soccer history and I don't have I don't think you have to differentiate between the men and the women I just think you say Canadian soccer nothing tops this mm -hmm. um just ever obviously culminating in the gold medal but even beating the Americans in that semi-final finally ending that 20-year drought there getting the demons of 2012 off their back on that just everything about this run and what I think I love the most is this isn't just about the 22 players that are on the roster this is about all the players that have come before them and helped to pave this way, you know, Diana Matheson, who retired just shortly before the Olympics, Kara Lane, Rian Wilkinson, Melissa Tancredi, Charmaine Hooper, you know, the list goes on and on. These players that were playing in empty stadiums before COVID was a thing, you know, <laughs> they came forth at the 2003 World Cup. Uh, to very little fanfare. I remember uh, Sinclair said before the 2019 World Cup, 
uh, we came fourth at a World Cup and no one cared. And now to have just all these eyes on them, um, just unprecedented attention their way, like obviously uh, exceeding what happened in 2012. It's just, it's so remarkable. And it's, I think it's absolutely what this team deserves. Absolutely. Yeah. Just like hearing you talk, they're just, you know, bring everything. It's goosebumps. Just absolute no. goosebumps because it's that, that important, that significant. And yeah, once again, just delighted to have you along here because as you guys can already tell, Megan is, is right in tune with all of this. So Megan, let me ask you, aside from the winning penalty that Julia Grasso eventually tucked home, her celebration, is there one moment in particular from this whole run there at Tokyo 2020 that stands out to you and then why? I think I'd have to go with the Jesse Fleming penalty. And it's funny even saying that. Which one? Exactly. <laughs> she took four penalties in the knockout round and converted all of them. So I love that I have to say which one. But <laughs> yep. I'm talking about the one against the Americans, the one that obviously the game winner that clinched it. Um, and just how absolutely clutch she was in that moment again i have to go to a sinclair quote she said after the game when she was talking about fleming stepping up to take the penalty she said i don't think i know a calmer individual than jesse fleming and it's so true it's just you see it in her style of play when she's on the pitch just always so composed on the ball and to step up in that moment Let's remember, she's 23 years old. I know she's been with the team since she was 15, so it seems like she's a vet, and in many ways she is a vet, but 23 years old to step up for her country in that moment, knowing what it means to score that goal, and just, like, that's a perfect penalty. Yeah. She hit the side of the net. Like, <laughs> that is what you want in a penalty, and her knee slide celebration, like, that's oh. become a Canadian heritage moment. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely definitely. fantastic. So, I... I Sorry, I don't ahead. know if I could ever pull that off. I mean, oh, I no. think I, I think my kneecaps would be would be <laughs> raw. Like I just I don't I, think I have the skill for that. Like I think I would face plant if I had <laughs> I would go to my knees and just yeah, no, it would not have been pretty. But, absolutely. Yeah, she she pulled off the penalty and she pulled off the celebration as yeah, well. Yeah, so just all absolutely. around tense. <laughs> it was yeah, what a moment. And you know what's funny about that, Megan, is for whatever reason, I thought, and I'm sure Canada's with me here. I thought Christine Sinclair would be the one to step up to take that shot. Mm -hmm. And I think that speaks volumes to sort of the, the character that Christine Sinclair has, because if she wanted that shot, I'm sure Christine Sinclair can get that shot. Mm -hmm. But like you said, after the game, she said, Jesse Fleming, that's the individual who, you know, I probably wanted to, to take that kick. And, you know, that speaks volumes better, doesn't it? Absolutely. It really was the passing of the torch moment where you see there was that symbolic moment where Sinclair handed the ball to Jesse Fleming. And Fleming said afterwards, it was more so she, uh, Sinclair didn't want the ball in the hands of the Americans. So she was just trying to get it away from them. So maybe not quite the symbolism that we want it to be, but it, it ended up being that moment. And yeah. it was kind of the moment we hoped had happened in 2019. When I was Janine about to Becky, say, yeah. yeah. When she stepped up to take the penalty against Sweden. And again, everyone thought, oh, it's Sinclair. She has to take it. <laughs> Becky stepped up and her save was shot at her stopped. And I will say, Lindahl made an excellent save on that penalty. I hear a lot that uh, Janine Becky missed the shot. Like, no. Like, let's give credit. Lindahl made a really good save on that shot. Mm -hmm. It was a good penalty. It was a better save. So yep. it's just, unfortunately, because 
that penalty was or ended up being stopped, the narrative becomes, why didn't Sinclair take that shot? That should have been Sinclair. But now in this in these Olympics, we, we got that moment that we wanted in 2019, that passing of the torch where it was the next generation or really the current generation of players and Jesse Fleming taking up uh, taking that stage in that moment and again just absolutely delivering but yeah absolutely to talk about Sinclair and her character I think she understands just the importance it is for other players to step up that she knows she's not going to be around forever so it is really important that you know come the day that she does retire these other players are already have that experience and in, in these big moments to say yep yeah, I can do this absolutely well yeah. said. I mean, to answer your question, Mike, I would have to say gutsy. I mean, right from the right from the get go of this run, from from Bev making the tough choices in terms of the roster selection, and maybe freezing out some players that we expected to be there. Uh, I'm looking at Sophie Schmidt and Jordan Heidema, who eventually, you know, ended up on the roster after uh, after some changes to the rules. But I mean, for Cincy to pass the ball to anybody on a penalty kick, you know, so soon after 2019. It doesn't matter. Jesse Fleming, Jeannie Becky, anybody for her, for, you know, it just, it's once again, gutsy, like, you know, the subs, especially that, that, in the moment, especially, especially in, the, in moment. the moment. I mean, you know, uh, we all know that, that the keeper uh, is, is on the same club team as Cincy. So there was that, uh, uh, that, that factored into it, but still how, how gutsy of a move knowing full, I mean, they're not even two years removed from the backlash for the last time they tried to do that. So, so it, it really is, it, it it's mind boggling the 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 gutsiness the the just just so impressive um and that that's a great segue um which player is most impressed uh you know i got asked this about it was just before the gold medal game and i said well let me just run through like almost yeah, the, the entire whole roster <laughs> so i I'll, i will try to highlight a few i mean i've talked about fleming already um but i will say i think she did really well it's funny in uh, again her post game comments after the u.s game she had said besides the penalty she didn't think she played that well in that game <laughs> i actually thought she had her best game against the americans mm -hmm. i thought that something about playing the americans i think seems to bring out the best in her where we just see that that fluidity to her game the the playmaking ability i think she got a lot more more forward in that game than she had in previous ones as well uh which is what you want to see from fleming um but just in terms of other players like i know steph labe what more can you say about her and just the tournament she had uh wow. and i am fully willing to admit I was wrong on this because before the tournament, I felt pretty strongly that Kaylin Sheridan should be Canada's starting keeper just for mm -hmm. uh, the performances she's had with her club at Gotham FC. I thought she was more on form going into the tournament. And it actually kind of looked, or I thought that maybe Bev Priestman was leaning in that direction. If you look at Canada's two friendlies they had before the Olympics, yeah. Labby started against the Czech Republic and then Sheridan got the start against Brazil, yep. who's obviously the stronger team. So I thought maybe Bev was leaning in that direction, but in the end, she went with the experience of Labe and <laughs> hard to fault her going yeah. with that in the end. <laughs> what she did in those penalties and now her smile at the Swedish players has just become iconic as she's smiling at them. It's amazing. And she said, you know, afterwards as well, that she was enjoying herself. She said, there is no pressure on me. I am not expected to make those saves. It is on the penalty takers. And she's absolutely 
absolutely right. Like it's never on the goalkeeper to make those saves in those situations, but for her to come up in both uh, the Brazil game and of course, Sweden making two massive saves, like massive, massive. Yeah. What more can you say? And even in the run of play, like, especially in that Brazil game, she had uh, another handful of just remarkable saves to keep Canada in it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and then going ahead to the back line, I mean, Vanessa Gilles, just yeah. a breakout star. Um, just We talked about her, I know, from the She Believes Cup and her yep. breakout tournament there and for her to continue it as well. And I just have to point out, she didn't start playing soccer until she was 16 years old. She's wow. 25 now. Yeah. She was a tennis player. She uh, told the media this before the tournament. She played tennis until she was about 16 and then decided, no, this isn't for me. She actually said there wasn't enough physical contact in tennis. For her. <laughs> so she decided to pick up soccer at high school and now she's Olympic gold medalist. It's just unreal. But again, uh, you talk about Bev Friesman and kind of the brave decision she made to put Gilles starting at center back, starting in the knockout round in that game against Brazil over Shalina Zadorsky. Obviously, yep. Zadorsky and Buchanan, longtime partners on the back line in that center back role, but for Priestman to give Gilles the nod. And Gilles, admittedly, she was a little shaky in that first half against Brazil. She made a couple mistakes. She gave the ball away right to Dabinia, which is not yep. the player you want to give <laughs> the ball away to at all. Nope. But she really calmed down after that. Like you talk about her timely tackles, her ability in the air is almost unparalleled, I think, in terms of her ability just to connect not only on her own back end, but she had that chance on a set piece where she hit the crossbar uh, against yep. Brazil as well, almost had her first international goal there, but just so steady. Um, and then talking about her own penalty, again, in that game against Brazil, where she was the fifth penalty taker. And we're talking at that point, she had under 10 caps for Canada. But for wow. her to, again, just to step up in that moment, be that fifth penalty taker, which is, I think, a really daunting task for anyone, let alone, again, talking about someone just with so little international experience at this point in her career. Um, but just just quite remarkable her poise uh, in that situation so really looking forward to seeing to what she brings to the back line for canada in the future Absolutely. yeah also the human magnet i think she <laughs> rightfully so earned that nickname at the amount of times that she had to weigh the ball um so yeah you, you touched a little bit on the goalkeeping the defense you know the play of jesse fleming i think we can all agree that canada had a really well-rounded team in this tournament, the biggest question mark was obviously going to be their attack, where the goal is going to consistently come from. So, Megan, let me ask you, what do you think Canada's biggest strength overall in this tournament was? I think it is their backline, absolutely. That's been their strength for many years now um and they just continued it i think again they, they were a little shaky in the group stage i don't think they performed overall to their best ability um they allowed a goal in each of the three uh, games in the in the group stage which you just don't see very often from canada and most of them they came just from defensive lapses which again yeah. uh just uncharacteristic for that back line you know in the first game against japan it was just seemed to be a miscommunication between buchanan and Zdorsky that allowed uh, iwabuchi to slip through yep. uh, the second game against Chile. I think Zadorsky just mistimed or just made a mistake where I don't think she needed to go to ground there. Um, if I remember, Buchanan was basically in stride with the Chilean uh, attacker yeah. mm -hmm. in that. So again, just just um, uncharacteristic mistakes, I think. But I think they really settled down in that group stage. Yeah, and know. we saw 
the defensive organization uh, that we're used to seeing from them. And I think it's not only the back line, the four in the back, but it, it's the whole team. You see them just really dedicated to tracking back, to making those defensive plays. And, you know, they say defense wins championships, and it was proven true. Like Canada had six goals the entire tournament. Like Vivian Miedema for the Netherlands had 10 by herself. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, yep. there's, there's still probably the questions of, well, this team can't really score goals, but mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't matter as much as it used to. I, I mean, I'm glad you said that because, yeah, I, I think that that's still an issue with the team moving forward. Uh, uh, where where do the goals come from? But I've never I've never been uh, less concerned about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Megan, we touched on her a little bit, but I think we definitely have to give her some kudos. This was her first major tournament in charge of the Canadian women's national team. What a test it was to really, you know, the Tokyo Olympic Games, you know, probably the biggest, if not the second biggest tournament in Canadian women's soccer. And she's done a remarkable job, not only at the tournament itself, but getting the team prepared for this tournament. Can we just talk a little bit about the job that Bev Priestman has done? And if you were to give her a grade, let's say, what would you give her? I think she's earned an A, not an A plus, right? I mean, what more can you ask of her, really, to to deliver gold, to deliver uh, the first uh, title from a major tournament ever uh, for this country, for this program? Um, you know, the mantra was, well, they've had a couple. They said, change the color of the medal. Obviously, they did that. And since Priestman came on board last fall, she said she wants this team and these players to be brave. And that's been, again, just the her mantra throughout her run so far. And I think not only has the team done that, I think they're playing with a lot more confidence under Priestman than we saw uh, under Heiner Muller, her, pre her uh, predecessor. Mm -hmm. But I think as well, she's shown bravery herself. You talked about the roster decisions she made, uh, naming Sophie Schmidt as an alternate. Eventually, obviously, she did become part of the uh, the full roster. But, you know, that turned a lot of heads when you're leaving off someone with over 200 caps, who's just been, again, a mainstay on this roster for how many years now? And then same thing, naming Evelyn Vienne maybe over Jordan Heidema. Heidema mm -hmm. just tends to get a lot more headlines than Evelyn Vienne. But I do agree. I think at least going into that tournament, Vienne was more on form than Heidema, though I think Vienne probably didn't have the tournament and the performance that maybe she had hoped for. Um, yep. But even just looking at her uh, Bev Kreisman's decisions in the tournament itself I think she made tactically just a lot of right moves I look at that gold medal game she subbed yep. out Janine Becky for the second half and I think Becky did look off in that first off. half yep. uh, she would probably again be the first one to admit it she's always been very honest in her own self-assessment uh, and I think bringing on not only Leon but uh, Julia Grosso although I was you know a little I, I thought Quinn was playing very yep. well. I thought they had a fantastic tournament again. But uh, in terms of what Grosso brings, she's a little more dynamic in her play. She tends to get, again, a little more forward than Quinn does. Quinn tends to be a little more defensive-minded, kind of playing almost side-by-side -side with Scott as that yep. uh, holding midfielder. So just to try to, to obviously bring a spark to the offense, bringing on Leon, who, again, just very... 
uh, technical, on, loves to live on the ball, much like Rosso as well. And I think you saw that in that second half, at the start of the second half, uh, Canada had a lot more jump to them. They were really bringing it to Sweden, and that's what ultimately led to the penalty, led to Sinclair being brought down in the box and to that penalty from Fleming again. So, again, just going back to to the mantra of being brave, I think Priestman showed that. I, you know, she asked that of her players and she delivered it, delivered it herself. Uh, she was the only female coach in the final four of the tournament as well, hmm. to note. Also the youngest coach at the tournament. I believe she's 35 now. Um, wow. So just, just remarkable what she's been able to accomplish in a very short runway. Like she took uh, over the role in October and she yep. didn't have her first game as head coach until February. So it, it's quite remarkable what she's been able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you spoke a bit on Cincy and uh, uh, we just got a question actually on the same subject, which is what do you think's next for, for Cincy? We, we saw her in, in this uh, in sort of a, a more uh, uh, midfield kind of holding role as opposed to the, lead, the spear at the tip of the attack. I thought it was a successful uh, uh, move for Cincy. Uh, do you see that going forward and do you see her continuing uh, towards the next tournament or do you think this might be the well-deserved swan song for, for the greatest athlete that, that this country's probably ever produced? We'll say only Christine Sinclair knows for sure if this is it for her or if mm -hmm. she's going to retire. I know she did say immediately afterwards she doesn't want to make a decision based purely on emotion, whether it's, you know, losing or in this case winning. She wants Smart. to give it some time. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, if she does continue playing, yeah, I think the role, this now adapted role for her is very well suited for where she is in her career. It's similar now to the role she plays with Portland as well, where it's basically yeah. that false nine um, and allowing the winners, the usually younger winners to, to get forward <laughs> and to drive the attack that way. Um, but I think, as I said, it is very well suited for her. And I think it still allows her to find those spaces and to find those runs when they open up. Her goal against Japan, I think, was a prime example of that, yep. where she saw the play develop. She saw she knew what Nichelle Prince wanted to do, and she got herself into that space. And that's so much of what uh, Christine Sinclair's career and her goals have been about. You know, a lot of people will say, well, right place at the right time. Well, it's more than that. It's she knows where to yeah. be. And she's yeah. thinking five steps ahead almost constantly. So I think, yeah. <laughs> she makes it look easy, but oh, she it, does. That's, yeah, she makes exactly. it look effortless. Yeah, but yeah. it's she's always thinking and she always knows just okay, I need to be there at this point or whatever the case may be. And she's she's one of the best in the world at doing that, if not the Easily. best, quite honestly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, if she does continue uh, with both club and country, I think that's the role that she will continue to play. It'll be interesting to see um, how much longer she's a starter as well. Obviously, she's still a big time contributor, I think, to the team, just in terms of leadership. And again, just uh, her ability off the ball as well as on the ball. Um, but yeah, I said, you know, only Sinclair knows her future for sure. So so we'll we'll give it some time and we'll see what she decides. You, but you I, wouldn't I will, know. Uh, mm, sorry, I was ahead. just going to point out as well. I, I always need to point this out. Formiga on Brazil is 43 and she's still mm -hmm. playing. 
So it's very possible. And if anyone wants to continue playing into their 40s, it's Christine Sinclair. It's Absolutely. Christine Sinclair. I wonder, I don't know this offhand, but has she even considered uh, going for coaching badges or for transitioning to that that aspect of the game? Because... Not that I've heard, yeah. Okay. I've, I've never heard her talk about being... Uh, involved on that side of the game or have an interest in coaching not to say that she doesn't it's just not mm -hmm. uh, not anything she's ever really talked about yeah yeah okay. i can imagine that that wouldn't even enter into her field of thought until she puts a a, a, a stop to her playing career and she okay, would uh, but, mm. she would make a really good coach but yeah megan i know you have to run here so you know you've been super generous with your time so thank you very much um you guys can all follow her work at megan johnson Good luck spelling that first name, though, so let me just spell it out a little bit. <laughs> M-E-A-G-H-E-N, Megan Johnson. Follow her on Twitter. She's going to be at BMO Field today for some Canadian Women's National Team press um, you know, press conference. So, you know, what, like once again, she gets some of the best tidbits out there. Highly recommend you go check out her work. Maybe if – I don't think Christine Sinclair is there today, but next time maybe you can ask Christine Sinclair about her coaching badges because <laughs> she could make a, a very good coach. But, yeah, thank you, as Colin saying in the chat. Thank you Great so test. much. Thank always, you always a pleasure it. to have you. Yeah. Good luck today with the presser. <laughs> Thanks so much. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Yeah, that was... I didn't. I didn't get to ask the 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 real question of the day. I know. So, I so... had to, man. I had. I know. To. I know. I know. It would have been. It would have been huge. So so maybe let's the two of us discuss it. Um, you know what's next? Uh, we've got some serious momentum now, and uh, I'm sure you've you've been privy to the uh, to the Twitter argument at hand. Um, you know, I I'm firmly on the side of an NWSL squad. Uh, mm -hmm. We've proven the concept. Um, you know, NWSL to the major Canadian markets, which would be Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, built in infrastructure. NWSL has existing partnerships with media and broadcast. Uh, the cost of entry is relatively cheap. Uh, you're looking at another MLS model where the franchise value rises exponentially. So it is a sound investment. Uh, I just, I, I, I see too many issues with, with this idea of starting from scratch with a brand new uh, uh, women's league, pan-Canadian women's league at this juncture. I think that it's a hell of a lot to chew. It's a huge bite to chew. Um, and, uh, you know, to me, it just, it, the it, NWSL is the answer. And I, and I think the the more we bandy around waiting, try, trying to create a perfect solution that isn't NWSL, it's to our, it's almost to our peril. And I wonder what what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good debate. Um, regardless if it's an NWSL team, uh, a, a Canadian professional women's league, we're going to see something in the near future. That's a that's a very fair point. We, ha we have right. to. We have to. I mean... I do believe, Jeff, that Canada is more than capable of sustaining a, a Canadian women's professional league. Um, there is, you know, similar infrastructure in place. Obviously, we look at the, the Canadian Premier League. We can even look down to to the League One Women's League in, in here in Ontario. Sure. You know, there there is some infrastructure in place. And when you think about the support that this women's national team has gotten over, not just this year, but over the years they, in the past, four point four million eyeballs. That's that's not nothing in this country. For, for it was seven. It was the yeah. most watched event of the Olympics in Canada. Yep. Not not just you know not just soccer match like the whole entire Olympics 
You that love was, to see it. <laughs> that was the, the gold medal match for Canada. And you know what? Like, Jeff, like I was just saying, it's not just this Olympics. This isn't just some revelation. Whenever we go to a Canadian women's professional or national team match, that stadium has been more sold out than the men's national team's games. Yep. Yeah, we're on it. We're on a decade here, a decade of momentum that just culminated in a in a in changing the medal. Uh, it's such a it's such an untapped market right now, Jeff. And I think regardless of which way they decide to go, whether that is an NWSL team or a full on Canadian uh, women's professional league, it's gonna it's gonna strive, it's gonna succeed. And you know, I'll give a quick shout out to to Josie Altador there on on Twitter. Thank you. Saw, thank you. Yep. We all saw his post, right, at the NWSL to Toronto soon, um, rocking that NWSL shirt. And obviously, in the photo, he tagged a, a lot of uh, high-profile individuals that would be, you know, in support of bringing that NWSL team to Toronto. So I think, you know, maybe there's something out there that he knows that maybe we don't. Regardless, it's it's a bit too late for, for this to be happening, but it better late than ever, right? Yeah, better late than never. And he's and Josie's got that Real Salt Lake investment money just burning a hole in his pocket. <laughs> so so I think this is a far better uh, expenditure for him. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Graham is saying the same thing. He says, uh, here, let's bring it up. It's a bit of a scroller. So uh, I'll read it out. Building on uh, the Olympic team's momentum is huge. But to go to a national league seems like too big a jump too quickly. With an NWSL club for the major markets, you can build on the link to the Canadian MLS clubs. You have a strong marketing team in place and financial booking. So he's he's essentially speaking in, in tones of what I was saying. I mean, I, I just think it's the more realistic option. I'm not saying that there can never be a Canadian women's uh, domestic league. I mean, that's the goal. But right now, you know, you strike while the iron is hot. I know that that sounds insane considering this has been such a slow burn, but you you know, 4.4 million eyeballs is going to turn a lot of heads. A gold medal performance is going to turn a lot of heads. Things that maybe would have taken six, seven months to just get, you know, a, a response are now going to happen in a week. So, so I agree with you. This is, you know, th- that's just how it works. We live in a crazy world, and 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 the, there's a mo- there's a motivation now. There's an audience now. Uh, uh, the time is right for someone to jump in, and I, I just, I just, I think the easier it can be, the quicker it happens, and and. I don't believe in perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. So too much, too many of these, these Twitter uh, 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 suppositions uh, suggest this, this perfect Canadian women's league where, you know, benevolent billionaires are just throwing money at it. And, and I just, I, 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 there's too many moving parts that can go wrong when, when, you know, the, the other option with the NWSL is pretty, is about as close to a plug and play option as you can get. Do you know what I mean? In, in a way sure. that even TFC wasn't, right? You know, TFC was incumbent on building BMO Field. Well, we have BMO Field now. We've got the infrastructure. We, you know, there, there's staff at MLSE that, that could easily uh, double down on a, on a, on a TFC uh, women's team. So, so I, I mean, and again, Graham is saying uh, the casual fan may, may, may have a certain brand uh, loyalty to TFC and, and, and that would bring them to the NWSL. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm ducking because <laughs> that's a powder keg of a statement, but, but there, I think there is some truth in there. You know, TFC is, is, is decades old and there is a brand identity in this city um, that you can parlay. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think the women's game, needs any any help from the men's game especially now but but you certainly can't look a gift horse in the mouth so so graham does raise an interesting point yeah for sure um and also just speaking of like striking when the iron's hot 
good segue here is guys make sure you go follow that can women's national team twitter account brand new just started yesterday and i just had a peek it's already at 11.1 thousand followers so you were wrong on your guess what were you like 8537 i don't know how you got 60 that number, some, I, 60 I just, okay just, yeah you know just I did. I did the my keyboard and whatever came. I did up. the Price Is Right guess. I did nine thousand and one dollar just to just to. Show that was close. There. It was at nine 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 nine. I think at nine a.m. this morning. Um, oh wow! So you guys, a lot of you guys were close. Um, but yeah, go make sure you guys follow that that account dedicated solely to the women's national team. I think honestly, long time overdue. But credit to them for like like I said, striking when the iron is hot and. It's such a untapped. I wish we could do more here at Wake in the Red for the women's national team. Um, just based on capacity, obviously there's there's a lot that we try and get to, but mm-hmm. there's just so much content and coverage that you could do for that team. And I hope I hope that you know we talk about what's going to happen next. I hope that we we see some sort of uh, some sort of spark from all of this that this this coverage in this country for the women's national team just erupts because yep. like i said there's there's just so much untapped potential there and i'm excited to see where that goes so make sure you guys keep an eye on that account um i am i'm excited i mean as as good as a dedicated twitter account is i would sacrifice it for the ability to buy men's sizes and women's kits and women's sizes and men's kits at the at the new fanatic store i think uh I think we're doing a disservice if we don't at least uh, 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 take them to task, the CSA, because they, I think they left a lot of money on the table. That The one t-shirt that they dropped uh, upon the gold medal win was available in men's sizes only, which is patently insane. Um, and, and there's still the, the rig of, now, again, I, you know, I'm not going to generalize because we don't know the, the, the background. You know, this could be uh, supply chain issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But figure it out, guys. I mean, we, we've got, there's money on the table here. Um, we, you have a captive audience that wants to buy your merch. Make it happen. Uh, that's, I mean, make it happen. I mean, there's got to be a way. I, I, six months ago, they didn't even have merch. So I, yeah. I think just baby steps here. Um, I'm not as heated as I think you are there, Jeff, but rightfully so. Well, because I you mean, don't want a, a Chapman shirt as badly as I do. I want an Alicia Chapman I, shirt. Man, I was looking so I was looking hard for that Sinclair men's shirt and, you know, it wasn't there. Um, yeah. I know there's, like, loopholes around it. Like, you can customize the, the national team shirt, but it's not the exact same national team yeah, shirt. Yeah, and the wear. name set isn't the same, and, you know, now you're dealing yeah, with your, your sure. setting off my kit nerve at OCD. So, no, <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want what they wear. I want what my heroes wear on the field, right? Like, you know, so. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Be better. Uh, be better. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I, I quickly on that though, I do want to commend the Canadian, you know, national team account in general for its fantastic coverage during that that Olympic run. Because um, really, whoever's running the socials there, nonstop, mm-hmm. nonstop, and I love to see it. So thank you for all of the great coverage that you did provide there. Just fix the store, guys. That's, that's all. Yeah, Jeff just wants. fix the store. Just fix the store. Just fix the store. <laughs> and just and just retweet everything Megan tweeted because it was a it was an adventure following uh, following her account over the course of the of the run. Um, Seriously, I mean we've got a, a counter, we've got a counter proposal. You know the problem with here, I'll bring it up. Problem with going to the NWSL is we have no control, and that league doesn't care about Canadian teams at all. So we can beg to be let in. I mean, they care about money. 
and uh, money talks. Uh, the, I don't think the NWSL doesn't doesn't actively uh, is actively against having a Canadian franchise, and I do think money trumps all. Um, again, we're getting into this this gray area of what is perfection, right? Like you know, TFC is in an American league, and and we've just suffered through those border issues that you're mentioning right now. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? Like it's not going to be perfect. No, no one is saying I I'll, I'll be the first to say it won't be perfect and there'll be warts and there'll be growing pains, but it will be, you know, we can sit here and, and argue until we're blue in the face about what's the best solution. And then we're five years later and, and there's no league. I, I think, you know, warts and all you got to jump in. I, I think it's actually a good thing that we know all the all the crap that we may have to endure. Like we're not we're not rookies at this. We've been through the MLS side of the angle, uh, and that and that prepares us for the for what we may have to face on the NWSL end. But you know, to 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 dismiss it out of hand for the potential of of perfection, which is unachievable, I think is a fool's errand. If I'm if I'm going to be honest, I, I I you NWSL is such an easier path and to ignore it and try and set up something cold. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I vehemently disagree with that. I, I think NWSL is the way to go and, and it may, it may suck, but at least it will be a team. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know too much uh, on that front about the NWSL, not liking Canadian teams or Canadian, whatever it is. Um, I know they did support the Josie Altador tweet recently. Again, that is recency bias, so I don't know what what kind of pass there is, but you know there always is a, a path forward. Um, whether it is NWSL, like I said, let's let's wrap up this conversation here. But sure, whether sure. It is I can NW- I can tell you <laughs> I can tell you want to wrap up the conversation. Yeah, for sure. We've been <laughs> kind of rambling on about it, but anyways, mm-hmm. whether it is NW- an NWSL team or a Canadian league, regardless, God damn, there needs to be some sort of professional women's team league here in Canada for all mm-hmm. the talent that is coming through this country. The fact we won an Olympics with no domestic professional league in Canada is absolutely insane. And just mm-hmm. imagine if we had an Olympic team or a, a domestic league to support that Olympic team, how much better we would be. So um, on that note, mm-hmm. some more I mean, you raised news. the point. You raised the point. Would Would, you know, a domestic league right now, and I know you don't want to talk about this. But I don't right want now. to talk about <laughs> a domestic league right now. The the Haidemus would still be going to PSG, right? The Cincy's would still, you know, would still sure. Mess- but there's millions the, the the people behind them, the but right Haidemus behind those guys. You know, the, the some of these there's going to be one or two, three different names that could pop up through that infrastructure, and sure. you know, potentially crack that. It starts somewhere as well, right? There's millions yeah. and millions of of, of girls ladies out there that mm-hmm. are desperate for for a league so yeah i mean yep. it is what it is but yeah Jeff, what please yep. let's move on um <laughs> let's talk about the canadian men's national team quickly and more positive canada soccer news is the men's national team is returning home for the first time since the global pandemic i think for the first time since october 15th 2019 they're going to be playing three matches three world cup qualifiers in front of home fans there at BMO Field. Jeff, how excited are you for this? The second I can buy tickets, they are mine. I am, <laughs> I am immeasurably, unbelievably excited for, for a return to, 
to BMO Field for the for the men's national team. I am champing at the bit for this World Cup qualification cycle. I'm unbelievably excited. We've got we've got revenge to to dish out to to some Concacaf sides that 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 wronged us, uh, and uh, you know. Uh, Let's the sooner the better. Um, I want to see that place packed, though. I do. I, I you know, bar, bearing in mind the the the, the pandemic restrictions, I'd, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Toronto come out for our for our boys. Big um, facts. Big yeah, facts. Yeah. I want to see that as well. Um, you know, BMO Field, fifteen thousand. It can get loud, but just imagine if there's, you know, twenty twenty twenty. What is it? Twenty two, twenty three thousand fans there. Just as hungry as we are for to see the men's national team back in action, it would be so much more electric. Colin in the chat before telling us to move on, he really <laughs> wanted to tell us about Alfonso Davies in this men's national team, which is why he was telling us to move on. Uh, Alfonso Davies is back in training with the full Bayern team, meaning, yeah. you know, it's more, more than likely, especially if you know the type of character Alfonso Davies is and how much he wants to represent Canada more than likely he will be available for those September matches, barring some sort of setback, which is mm-hmm. just positive news for, for this men's national team, especially, you know, as they start this run and, you know, we're every game is going to be important. Every last one. Yep. Every last one, right. It's the top four teams that you have to get into um, in order to, to essentially book your place at the Qatar 20, was it 2022? Yeah. 2022 mm-hmm. world yep. cup. Um, so uh, positive news there. Um, but I think, yeah, on, on that note, we can move on and, and chat some TFC because it was, Jeff, a, a wild week for TFC. It sure feels was. like, you know, in a sense, especially, you know, after that that game against Philadelphia and the first half against New York City FC, it felt as though the team was taking three steps backwards. Before we chat about that second half, Jeff, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that Philadelphia Union game in general. Um, Yuck. Again, Yuck. <laughs> at Subaru Park there, whatever it is about Subaru Park, Philadelphia, it just seems to have our number there, Jeff. Well, what do you yeah. think went wrong there? Everything. Um, I, 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 think, uh, I think the game plan was, was wrong. Uh, I think the formation was wrong. Uh, I think, you know, T, TFC... I don't know if this is specific to TFC. I don't think it's fair to to say it's a TFC thing, but you know, sometimes it's just not your night. Uh, and uh, you, there's nothing you can do. Sometimes it's just not your night. And uh, they, they took it to us and, and our body language was terrible and our, our drive and commitment wasn't there. Um, you know, this is all, it's all tough to see when, when, you know, they're your squad and, and their backs against the wall as a consequence of, of such a poor start. But sometimes it's just not your night, you know, and, and it doesn't matter that you're, that you're chasing a playoff berth and, and that you need three points desperately and that this and that, and this, um, I, I, I don't, I, I think that's, that's about as much as you can say, you know, you're all, you're not, you're not going to win a hundred percent of the time, even if you're, you know, it, you're just not, no, no team does. So, let's chalk that one up to, you know, just the, 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 the whatever it was, <laughs> whatever it was, you know, bad, that's, bad catering, that's the same, right? that's the same sentiment that Javier Perez offered kind of after the game. It's just that they were sort of due for one of those games. 
Um, Michael Bradley, you know, Colin saying in the chat again, I'd like to know what MB4 really thinks. I mean, I don't know if this is what he really thinks, but <laughs> after, the after the chat, he, you know, after the game, he was pretty honest when we had a chat. He said that TFC essentially can't afford many more of those performances, if any at all. Um, he was definitely not happy after that game. Jeffy talked a little about the setup. Yeah, for me, I think that's what kind of took the life out of this team is there are too many times where when they started to get forward, they would be dropped backwards. They would mm -hmm. have to, they would lose possession quickly. Kamar Lawrence on the wing was isolated way too often. Way He's too not a often. player that can beat someone 1v1. And the reality is when you're, when you're caught in a game like that, where you're just constantly going up the field, hoping to get some sort of sustained pressure and you're constantly losing possession eventually when you're defending the whole game you're you're bound to concede especially when you have a backline tech toronto fc's which is clearly yep. not their strength so this team isn't made to just to be defending the whole game and obviously that that showed against philadelphia but as as will dunn said in their chat in the chat the same thing sort of carried on against new york city fc now i'd argue that the performance against new york city fc was was slightly better than the one against philadelphia but not by a lot in the first half. Um, I think they're very City different teams. I mean, New York City, New York City has such flair on the ball. Their passes were were like diamond sharp in the first half. They were just they were cleaving us in half, right? I think the Philly game we were getting we were getting isolated on the wings. The NYC first half we were getting destroyed up the center of the park, right? They were they were just toying with with our with our defensive midfield. I mean, they were, let's not mince words. They were toying with Michael Bradley until, until the second half. Well, the thing about that game too, is if you look at the goals that TFC conceded against Philadelphia, none of those goals that TFC conceded were really like, wow, good goal, Philadelphia, like great no. job. It was literally just simple passes through the back line that, you know, essentially cost TFC. And, if you look at the game against New York City FC, the first goal, um, yeah. yeah, they made they made it a little bit too easy on New York City FC, but you kind of gotta you know give credit where credits due. That's a couple of terrific give and goes, a night tidy play that was finished off, and yep. the second goal was just an error at the back where Eric Zavaleta, who was put under pressure by Kamar Lawrence, eventually gave the ball away to New York City FC, and they capitalized on their chance. Yep, it wasn't necessarily. Uh, a simple one-pass breakdown by by New York City FC that penetrated the TFC defense like we saw against Philadelphia, which is why I'm kind of leaning towards giving the credit where credit, I guess, is due in terms of it was a, a better performance. Um, but those are fixable mistakes, whereas Philadelphia, it just looked like the team was just yep. off on all different types of different types of. Uh, I don't even know. Different types of wavelengths, whatever. Um, but Jeff, second half. Yep. Javier Perez, the man with makes the, the subs. Makes makes the subs. What gutsy. Use the word gutsy here in the show, but this is the epitome of gutsy. Substitutions. He took off two players who are undoubtedly gonna have statues outside of the stadium when all is said and done. And he had the nerve to take both of those guys off at halftime. Jeff, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but try and take yourself back to, to when that, that happened. 
Do what I have was to? Your... It was like 45 degrees in BMO. I was sweating through my clothes. It was. Did you, so did you have a reaction? Did you um, have a reaction? Yeah, I mean, uh, my reaction was holy s. And then they then and then the second half kicked off, and it was followed by a, a more resounding holy s because we look like a different team out there. I mean, uh, I don't know what he said in the in the halftime talk, uh, but uh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, I th- and Will said it here. Halftime is when intern Perez became coach Perez. Notebook rules. Uh, I, I, think, I think behind the scenes, he's been coach Perez since the beginning. But, but for him to ante up that kind of, that, that kind of cojones, um, it really can't be under, understated. And uh, Prizo, I, I don't think he's ever looked better. I'm, I, I don't think he's ever had a better half in a, in a TFC shirt. And I know Achara's debut was unbelievable, but I loved watching him terrorize that that New York City FC back line uh, for forty five minutes. I thought it was it was absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah, I just my, lo- my, I just love what they brought for sure. And my reaction there when when Bradley and Altador were taken off the same thing as you, Jeff. Like, wow. I mean, we were looking around each other in the press box. We had people scrambling to find, like, the last time Michael Bradley was subbed off during a match. Mm-hmm. And the nerve of, of Javier Perez to do that. Let me just quickly just pull up a, a good quote from Perez after the game. Mm-hmm. Question was, Michael is not used to being substituted out of games. What was that conversation with him like when you told him that he would be taken out of the game at halftime? And this was Perez's response. He said, I think it was it's a, it's difficult. It's a difficult situation, right? Because Michael is the captain. Michael is a tremendous player with an amazing history. He's the heart and soul of the team. But tonight, the team needed something different, and mm-hmm. we made a change just for the good of the team. That man is a savage. <laughs> there has not been a coach yet that has coached Michael Bradley with Toronto SC. I'm talking Greg Vanny, Chris Armas, mm-hmm. and now I guess Javier Perez that was willing to be the person to take off Michael Bradley during a match. Michael Bradley is, is, a, is a machine that could go to 90 minutes. You know, we've questioned at the past whether or not someone will eventually come along to be able to do that. He's 33 years old. And you mentioned what Ralph Priesto and Achara brought there. And for me, the biggest difference was when you took both Bradley and Altador off the pitch is that TFC lacked a lot of energy. <laughs> so when you brought the likes of Achara and Priesto, people who can cover ground quickly, you know, Michael Bradley's 33 years old. Josie Altador runs like a kilometer and a half every game. <laughs> so when you have guys who can all of a sudden cover ground and you already have people like uh, Pozuelo, you know, even Soteldo's work rate isn't the greatest. You have uh, Kamar Lawrence, you have Omar Gonzalez, Eric Zavaleta, even throw Ozo into that mix. Mm-hmm. None of those guys are people who get up and down the pitch extremely well. None of those guys are very, you know, great at, at their movement. And, not, and you know, the one difference about Achara, we'll talk about him quickly, is that he offered something Josie wasn't, and that was getting in behind. Yep. P- putting a threat that can actually make runs through the channels for people to play that ball through. And we mm-hmm. saw, obviously, on that goal like with, with Pizuelo, Achara is, Achara is the one who gets played through by Ralph Priso. 
Yep. And you mentioned there, like, I don't know if we've had a, a better, a better half really by Ralph Priestley. He's had some really good performances so far in a TFC uniform. That might've just been his alongside best. alongside Michael Bradley. I mean, this has been brought up in the chat. This is the first time we've seen Prizo without Bradders on the pitch. And it's going to be a difficult image to, to get out of my head because he was electric. I mean, yeah. he was doing, he was doing all the things that Bradley wasn't uh, against that side. Uh, and, and, and New York city had no, had no response. I mean, they had no response for, for the injection of pace and hunger that, that, that those subs made. Um, and you know what that and, ultimately resulted in Jeff is that TFC started playing higher up the field. They started playing on the front foot. They were not, like you said, New York city had no answer. TFC weren't giving them time to find an answer. Exactly. Exactly. When you have players like Achara pressing the ball down, when you have players like a Ralph Preso closing down, and ability not only to close down, but the ability to recover when you do get beaten, it just, New York City FC is just left searching for answers. So then let me pose this to you, Jeff. Mm-hmm. After those performances, do you think now we see more of those two guys, and do you think they deserve more playing time now the rest of the way, or is like a half enough for those type of players? This is a really small sample size. And those and those subs, as gutsy as they were, were made to address an in-game problem, right? They were specifically designed to address problems that were manifesting in the game. Josie wasn't running. He was offering nothing up front. Uh, and he it was like having it was like having one less player on the pitch, right? We can argue until we're blue in the face as to whether this is a, a singular example from this one game or whether this is a pervasive problem with Josie. And you know, everybody's got an opinion, but let, let's let's strike that from the record. He needed to go. Bradley, I, w- I would almost wonder if you know, if if chat if Javi went up to Bradley before he told him he was he was subbing him and said, you know, Mike, you're getting you're getting scorched out there or even, or maybe even Bradley came up to Abby and said, I, I just don't have it tonight. You know, like they're, 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 they, they're absolutely owning me. Like we, you know, we, I don't think we can do this. Um, so, you know, do they get a start next game? Probably not. These are still our two DPs and you know, this is a DP and, and a former DP slash soul of the team. But do they go 90 when they're getting found out again? Probably not. I think we've turned a corner now where it's now safe. I mean, it's always been safe to sub Josie. It's been safe to sub Josie for two years. Bradley's a different, a different beast altogether. I, I, I think now we're in a position where we may have changed the tune with Michael Bradley. Um, and, and, you know, it happens to everybody, right? Like, like time is undefeated. Uh, so now we see Bradley, uh, utilized in a far more intelligent way where he's not just an instant penciled in starter that plays 90 minutes, but maybe, you know, he gets a start and, and if the team is, is, is too pacey for him, then he's, you know, he sits for the, for the second half, which I think is a, is a, is a way better way to approach the Michael Bradley, you know, aging situation than it was just trotting him out for 90, regardless of opponent, regardless of, of team shape, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it's nice to see that, that we've got someone in Ralph Preso who can deputy, who can be a deputy for Bradley in a way that we all hope Liam Frazier was going to be way back when he was on our team. Uh, yeah. You made, so, you made an interesting point there, Jeff, where you're like, it's, it's really what the game needed. Mm-hmm. And I'll go as far as saying, I actually think Michael Bradley has been 
one of the more consistent players for TFC this season. I don't think he's had a, a poor season. I don't I don't know if he's been even the worst midfielder for TFC this year. I mean, if we're choosing maybe one all-star so far from this TFC team, it probably is Michael Bradley, just based on, on his whole sample size of this season. You know, against sure. New York City FC, it wasn't what the team needed, sure. But moving forward, I, I still think it's, like you said, it's his spot to lose. Um, they're not all of a sudden going to, in my, I don't know, maybe Perez will do this, but I don't think they're all of a sudden just going to drop Michael Bradley from the starting 11. No, um, you can't. You, Josie I mean, Altador, however, yeah, as you said, Jeff, they, they can't. He's yeah. a captain, he's hard and soul of the team, like as Perez said. Josie Altador, however, that's a little bit of a different story. It really is. Two reasons. Is one, this isn't the first time we're talking about Josie Altador like this. Nope. We've talked about Josie Altador like this for a very long time before he even came back. And two, yep. I'll, I'll give a third reason after, but two is, oh man, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. Let me see if I can, <laughs> I can split up some magic, but I'll go to my third point first then. Sure, sure. So Achara, there's someone now who's there that is capable of, of really offering TFC something they don't have up top, and that's an Achara. And Javier Perez was sort of asked about Achara after the game, and I found this quote really interesting. Um, Let's hear it. He said, it's, or question was, it's two games in a row where Achara has come off the bench and made an impact, and he's done this after a lengthy injured layoff. Just wondering what you have made of him since he's come back, and is he ready to potentially play to start a game and possibly go a full 90 minutes if required? And this was his response. I think we have been pushing Achara due to the urgency and the situation the team is in right now. As you said, he's made a big impact or a significant impact in the last game. He made, again, an impact today. He's a player that has different qualities to other players on the team, and I think that's what makes a team versatile, a team that has players with different characteristics and can bring something different to the table. I think we have push- been pushing to get him on the field. We have been pushing to get him ready, and tonight we made another extra step, 45 minutes. We'll see in the next game if he's ready to get a little bit more playing time. I think that's so smart. I really so do. But my, but I'm I mean the problem is is that this is all of our attackers, right? They've all got a knock or they're flow based guys that need minutes. Uh, you know, or, or I mean, which, which one? We don't have a have a full fully healthy go to attacker on the squad. Uh, you know, maybe Patrick Mullins, but but we can agree that he's not a star. I mean, it pains me to say it, but we can agree that. He's way more effective as an impact sub than as a starting, a starting uh, 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 attacker. So, so yeah, that yeah. that Achara again. You know, interesting tidbit that caught me there is he went forty five minutes today. And we'll see if he can go even longer next time. Which to me kind of reads that okay, if you're going to play longer than forty five minutes, that probably means you're starting the game. No, that yeah, fair point, fair point, right and. That just reminded me of my second point about Josie Altador. Josie Altador actually makes a bigger impact on the game off the bench as a super sub. The energy that he brings onto the pitch, you know, whenever his name gets called on the board, you see BMO Field start to, you know, wake up, start to erupt. And I think Josie Altador right now at this point in his career, he's best suited as Will Dunn saying, 
coming on as a super sub and really injecting a different type of look for this TFC team, especially if they need a goal. So for me, I know maybe he won't like to hear this, but I think Josie Alter is, is better suited right now to play 20, point, 20 minutes, 30 minutes moving forward as a super sub because he can actually offer something there. And I don't think he's been as effective as, you know, when he, he started games. So perhaps something Perez has picked up on as well, something to definitely keep an eye on moving forward. Um, but Jeff, quickly. I think Achar is also a very good sub. So do we start Dwyer? I mean, here's a guy that needs to get into rhythm, right? I don't. I Yeah, no. Please, no. <laughs> <laughs> please, no. So who do you start? You start, I mean, Achara. Okay. All right. I think for sure we start Achara. Um, he's a versatile player, so, you know, he can definitely change up the style of play that he needs. He can, you know, offer TFC a couple of different looks there up front. And I think Pozuelo, especially, like, he has someone to play a ball through to. Whereas in the past, you know, with Josie Altador, whatever for whatever reason, that just hasn't worked since Josie Altador has has turned the corner and is over 30 years old. I mean, I don't think his movement's the same as it was in the past. And I think he needs to find a way to redefine himself as a player right now. Because yep. whatever it is that he's doing, just it isn't working right now. So. No. Why not? It seems desperate for points. Why not go with what's working? And that seems to be small sample size, but that seems to be a char right now. Um, yep. So on that note, Jeff, after the gutsy substitution by Javier Perez, he had his interim tag removed by the club and he was given the keys for the rest of the season. As the team announced yesterday that Javier Perez will be the head coach of Toronto FC for the remainder of the 21 21- 2021 season it's the first time that the team has actually publicly backed Perez as they never announced officially announced him as the interim head coach of the team overall Jeff well how would you make Javier uh, what have you made of Javier Perez's performance so far how would you rate it the team is two wins four draws one loss in seven games under Perez they've picked up 10 points Jeff how would you rate Perez's performance so far well, I mean, here's here's my thoughts on 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 the interim tag announcement. I mean, they basically announced that he's still the interim coach. Uh, you know, it was it was a bit of a flat announcement, but I think the devil here is in the details. It was brought up on the WTR threads that if you look at the Instagram post of the announcement, uh, you know, uh, Yef liked it, uh, Paws liked it, so the players publicly uh, uh, stated. They're, they're, you know, they, they came out of the woodwork to, to publicly uh, sort of support this decision. I think this is sort of a, a move that establishes that everybody's playing for their jobs for the rest of the season. Javi and the rest of the team. And it's been made, pretty, it's been writ large you know, on, on social media posts. Uh, with respect to answering your question, I'm not going to give him an A. Uh, I would probably give him a B minus. Um, you know, draw, uh, there's been a lot of draws, uh, you know, the, we can have the argument as to whether, it, you know, what he can do with, with the roster as, as, as it stands. Uh, but it's, it's not an A performance. I mean, there, there it's, it's definitely in the B range. Um, I'm happy for him because he's been given, he's been given his voice carries more weight now, at least until the end of the season, uh, than it did before. 
Uh, and I think that's an important point, especially after the substitutions that were made last match, right? Exactly. Is he had the nerve to take out both Michael Bradley and Josie Altador, and then two days after, three days after, he's been given that appointment for the rest of the season. So I think it's so important for the, the club to finally come out and back Perez publicly, especially after those two decisions. You know, if you're still the interim coach... You, you never know what happens with, with a disgruntled Josie Alter or a disgruntled Michael Bradley there in the locker room. But if the mm-hmm. club comes out and, and backs them, like we've been saying, no one player is bigger than the club. And, you know, I, I like that decision by the club to come out and do that at this time. Um, so do I. You know, like I said, he was never officially appointed the interim manager. So perhaps this has something to do with that as well. Um, so, you know, I think it sets of- a tone in that locker room, right. From the top down, right. Like exactly, you know, Javi's playing for, for, for more permanence and so shall the rest of the team. So I, I do think it, it sets a message and it's, it's, it's a very simple one. Uh, you know, everybody's, everybody's playing for their jobs. Uh, yeah. and, and I like Javi, it. Javi's earned his stripes too, right? Like as mm-hmm. well done saying, it's like, it seems as at first, you know, the club was kind of unsure of what to expect from Perez. And now they have more confidence in him, which is bang on because bang on, yep. they weren't even willing to appoint Perez in their press conference as the interim head coach. They just said he would be in charge next match. Yep, and yep. they didn't say what's happening after the, the match after. And Perez, to his credit, he was just like, I'm just focused on this match. And after that match, he's like, I'm just focused on the next match. So I think the message was clear from the club is that Perez was never given that interim role permanently. Um, so as, as you're saying yeah, that the club announced that they, they took off his interim tag, but essentially it is giving him the interim role the rest of the year because it's yeah, exactly. what's happening after that. So mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's just more of an overdue kudos. Okay. You earn this. Um, let's yeah. see where it goes from here. And so far, you know, Eric Zavaleta said it, he, he likened Javier Perez to Greg Vanny. I'm seeing a lot of similarities. And I am too. And one, like I, I've mentioned this in the past, but there's a couple of TFC players have told me this is Armis was completely different from Vanny in the sense that Armis really stressed a lot of intangibles. He was, he was like a best friend. You could go talk to him. He's a very good person. But Greg Vanny just knew football, just knew soccer. And that's the same sort of sentiment we're hearing from TFC players when they talk about Javier Perez. It's just how much he knows about the game. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. you need more of a coach than that than you do of, of a coach like Armis, which stressed, um, like I said, a lot of intangibles and a lot for of this for this locker room. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. they're, used to, they're used to a tune going one way. And, and absolutely. I, I think for this locker room, he's, he's a much better fit. Um, uh-huh. And he's not he's not as stubborn. But of course, that that could be down to, you know, not having an official job title like Armis did and, and a clear mandate. Nobody knows. But uh you know, we saw, I, I don't know if you saw the all for one clip that the club dropped. I think it was last night, but we got a little, got a little tease of, uh, of Javi's post game team talk, man is, is he's got ice in his veins. I mean, he's just, he, he's so calm, cool, collected. Uh, you know, he speaks with, with a certain gravitas. Um, it just, it, it just comes from, you know, like you said, his, his sort of encyclopedic knowledge of, of the sport. Um, you can see that coming through loud and clear that may end up being an albatross, right? You know, you know, the more, you know, about something, the more inflexible you can be sometimes, but I haven't seen it yet. I've, I've only seen 
I've only seen positivity from that. And that's, and that's why he's great. So high considering that, you know, we're, we're still in the basement of, of MLS and, and, uh, you know, our, our, our defense is, is, is Swiss cheese and, 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 uh, you know, no moves in the transfer window, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot to be negative about, but there's, you know, coach, coach Avi has given us a, a real injection of positivity because he's such a calming influence in what was so recently unfettered chaos. So, yeah. And you mentioned you know, calming there a couple of times. Yeah. If there's one word, you know, Armis, the one word we could use to kind of, you know, uh, tag along with, with his sort of identity was high energy, high pressing style mm-hmm. of play. If there's one buzzword that's used, maybe press is for our misses, but there's one buzzword that's used around Javier Perez, literally from all the TSC players we've spoken to, is that he has this calmness about him, this way to efficiently communicate what he he's expecting out of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think very as you stoic, said, Jeff, yeah. it's very very evident when you speak to him when you hear him speak and hopefully this continues to translate into positive results for this team Mm -hmm. now jeff one last question before we wrap up tfc right now they are nine points out of a playoff spot we are at the halfway point of the mls season there is 16 games left to play which means there's 48 points left on the table like I said, nine points out of a playoff spot. They do have a lot of teams to leapfrog in between them and that final playoff spot because they are, as many are pointing out in the chat, they are in last place right now. But like I said, just nine points out. Does this team have a shot at making the playoffs still, Jeff? No, I don't think so. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to enjoy this lost season, uh, but I don't, I don't think so. I think that there is, uh, I mean, I've seen your math. And it's 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 capable math. I've seen your glass half full tweet, uh, and I enjoyed it. Uh, and I want to believe, uh, you know, credit credit to Josh Cloak. He came on here what uh, three four months ago and said the same thing when we were all still in the in the in the the afterglow of the Champions League run. Um, no, no. I mean, we don't control our own destiny. If we we would have to win outright, and a whole lot of things would have to go right with other teams losing uh, in a league with this kind of parody. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'd be so happy if we were able to squeak. Okay. In, I just, I don't see so, it happening. So let me ask you, what were the odds that you're giving TFC? How much percentage do you 20%. think they have? A 20, 20% that's still, chance. Okay. So there is a chance. That's a one in five shot. Okay. Now, if you guys haven't seen my tweet, let me go hot glass half full on you. Let's do it. After TFC take on New England at home this Saturday, they have 15 games remaining this MLS season. 11 of those games are against teams that are not in a playoff spot right now. Four of those games are against teams that are in the playoff spot, but none of those teams are top three in either conference. And one of, only one of those games against one of those four teams that are in a playoff spot are away from home, and that's at Colorado. So then you have Philadelphia at home, which, Ouch. I mean, is way better. It's way better than playing them at Subaru Park. Yeah. The last time TFC actually played Philadelphia at home, they won. Yep, and it wasn't even at BMO Field. So... 
maybe there is some some silver lining there. You have Nashville again at home, which I think TFC showed that that's a beatable team when mm-hmm. you know TFC is is on on the front foot there. And trying to think of who the last one is right now. But whoever it is, it's no one significant. Oh, DC United. Yeah, it was. It was, and they're on a tear. So they're they're playing so. some good football right now. But again, they're not a top three team in in the Eastern Conference, right? TFC are getting all of those games out of the way early, and mm. now we look at the other eleven games. You play Inter Miami, who has been really the laughing stock of this league for since joining the league <laughs> three people times. People in glass houses. <laughs> We're sort of in a glass house right now. For sure. For we, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But mm. relatively speaking, now they don't have to play, you know, they're not playing the New England or New York City FCs like sure. a bunch of times sure. the rest of the way. They're playing mm. Inter Miami three times. And then you're playing Atlanta United, who is literally in like a similar position as TFC. They're still looking for their head coach. They're they're a team that's like TSC, they're they're in shambles a bit. And I, I'd even argue that they just reloaded. That, they just reloaded like crazy, though. I, I did got, see that, but the, new attacker. Yeah, it was also they tried getting like fourteen different players during well, it's that Atlanta time. Atlanta United. I mean, of course, of course, they right. were linked with. The, I think they were linked with Messi. So you know, whatever. But, but half uh, of them apparently turned them down, and that just goes to show kind of the state that Atlanta United's in. But again, like you point out, they're they've, they've reloaded. So who knows? But mm-hmm. three times yeah. they play Atlanta United, and then they play FC Cincinnati two times and then you play Montreal two times and then you play the Chicago fire in terms of strength of schedule. I would be surprised if TFC did not have the easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way in terms of, of the teams that they're playing. Sure. Who knows what can happen the rest of the way. I'm not saying they, they go out and they make the playoffs, but there is a path forward for them to do so. Absolutely is. Absolutely. And it's not the most uphill Mm -hmm. battle. If they can find a way to to get points against teams that are not really playoff teams in this league, who knows, man? Who knows? So to follow up, because you have a second question that after that, do you want achieving a playoff berth to be the goal of the rest of this season? Or would you be willing to maybe free some young guns? I mean... We eventually we need to know what we got in all of these guys, right? I don't so, necessarily think that. I don't a think we're there yet. Now. I don't think okay. we're there yet, Jeff. I think when you do that, when you just throw out a team full of youngsters, that has to be when you know you're out of the playoff hunt. Okay. I don't think TFC are out of the playoff hunt yet. I Nine agree points with you. Out, Sixteen games left, forty-eight points on the table. They're far from out of playoff spot officially. Now. If we're having this conversation at the end of August, TFC are still in the same position, then sure, you know, then we have to exactly free the young guns. But right now, prioritize points. Um, As many as pointing out in the chat, if they can find a way to play like they did in the second half against New York City the rest of the way, definitely accomplishable. But you know that's too a bad. Big too if. bad soccer games aren't aren't forty five minutes. <laughs> as, as yeah, Yvonne seriously. Said. You know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, Jeff, I think let's, let's wrap up there. We, once sure, again, sure. we're going, we're going long overdue. That's what happens when we gab, Mike. That's what happens. I know, man. To, we have so yeah. much to talk about, especially <laughs> off after, you know, Canada's Oh wait, you didn't, you didn't answer your own question. Run. Do you, do you think TFC are going to make the playoffs? Do I think they're going to? Yeah. I do. Wow. 
I love it. I do. I love it. I love it. I don't know if that's just blind optimism, but I've said since day one that this team is is on paper. It has the quality to be one of the best teams in MLS. I think you know we're, we're reverting back to a classic four two three one, and for me, that's always sort of found success for Toronto, um, okay. even under Javier Perez. So if they can keep things simple, they can continue this this honestly run of form overall in the past like seven games then mm-hmm. i do think it's feasible especially when you consider their opponents so yeah put me on record man i think tfc are gonna find a way to squeak into the playoffs awesome. but on that high note extremely high note let's, let's uh let's, michael singh injury report no injury let's wrap report? up let's okay. wrap up all right. all right all right um yeah i'm sorry guys i don't really have much anyways on the on the injury report so when it, when it returns it was going it's going to be spectacular so don't worry epic. about it we'll have epic yeah, we'll have an injury report for you eventually yeah, so thank you guys so much again. The chat was on fire today. Um, <laughs> some of it yelling at us, some of it, uh, you know, agreeing with us. So we love to see all of your contributions. Thank you guys so much. Always a blast here. Always thank you blast. to Megan Johnson of TSN for joining us right off the top. Such a spectacular guest to talk about that women's national team. Make sure, again, you guys go follow her on Twitter because you will have some more updates today. As oh, what a there good is a, Yeah. There, yeah, there is a press conference going on here at BMO Field at 2 p.m. with some of the women's national team players. So be sure to check that out. Um, thank you to you know our producer there, Sophia, for bearing with us. Uh, as we always, as usual, lately, just been going long. But she's never complaining, so we really appreciate that. Sophia, thank you to, to Kevin and Edwin for all the work that they do behind the scenes. I guess on behalf of myself... On behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker. Yep. Please I, like I, and subscribe. We don't ever do that. And we should probably bring that into our, uh, into our repertoire, uh, repertoire for the, for the sign off. But uh, yeah, please guys, Apple podcast, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast fix, this is uploaded after please upload or please like, and subscribe, please upload. Yeah. Please upload this. <laughs> and then, steal our content and upload it on, <laughs> on torrent sites. Absolutely. Please like <laughs> and subscribe. We really appreciate all of your support, but like I was saying, on behalf of myself, on behalf of Jeffrey P. Nesker, until next week. Ciao. Ciao.